How do they expect me to take this Dragon Slayer movie seriously? In the Eclipse scene, the moon covers the sun from bottom to top instead of right to left. Or left to right if you're in the southern hemisphere. But obviously it is set in a post-Roman time period and location, so it must move from right to left. I can get behind the idea of a dragon, but when you go messing around with the laws of nature and such, then I just can't take the movie seriously anymore. Hello and welcome back. We are the Grognards. My name is Dean Geigen. I'm Eric Holly. And I'm Greg Ziegler. And we're just going to sit back and enjoy the, uh, the wonderful music that Basil Polidorus gave us in the movie Conan the Barbarian because this week's topic is It's Your Move, E. Okay, yeah, that was really kind of silly, but yeah, we're going to be talking about movies and our resident... Kind of our movie addict is Greg. So, Greg, you're going to be DMing this session, correct? Yes, I am. All right. Well, it is your show. So, as they say in the movie, action. Yeah. Um, yeah, role-playing games, uh, and we've brought it up here before, uh, are frequently uh, work with the theater of the mind, where you imagine things. And um, one of our main frame of references that we uh, we often use for that are things that we've seen in movies and TV, especially, uh, you know, classic uh, fantasy films and uh, Dungeon Masters and players alike can draw from those uh, to for a variety of reasons. You can either, um, you know, say, oh, that's just like that thing that happened in Conan or <laughs> uh, or man, I'm, you know, my, I want my dude to be just like Aragorn. Well, I you mean, know. yeah, you're absolutely right. So many of us who play the games, be they be it D&D or any role playing game, I think we always have in the back of our heads this little uh, 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 template. Yeah. You know, on a more philosophical note, there needs to be some sort of shared culture for us to even be able to sit down and do theater of their mind. Yep. When I try to paint a scene as a DM, the players need to sort of know what I'm relating to. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, there's a lot of misunderstandings. You know, you run into that a lot with uh, sword work. You know, somebody's like, I want to do this. You're like, you can't do that. That's impossible. They're coming from a different frame of reference than you are. Yes. And by having these common movies, we all know. Yeah. Oh, Legolas did that in yeah, Two Towers, yeah. so exactly. I can totally do that. Exactly. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah, can I, you know... Can I slide down the stairs on my shield shooting arrows? That's well, exactly what I was thinking of. Yes, exactly. In, as ludicrous actions that um, film characters do that uh, no D&D character would ever be allowed to do. But depends what kind of campaign you run. I mean, some campaigns, that's the point. You want to do that stuff. Some campaigns are more hardcore, and, and they say, nope, if it can't happen in real life, I don't think it's going to happen in D&D. I would really like to see uh, somebody explain and uh, and go through the roles involved in sliding down a staircase on your shield while shooting multiple okay. arrows. I don't know about that, but as, <laughs> as we've mentioned before, I used to be in the SCA, Society of Creative Anachronism. We yeah. had a big gathering every year in Pennsylvania, Penzik War. And I saw a gentleman, um, there was an archery shoot, and the shoot was 30 seconds. You had to shoot what they called advancing soldiers. Every five, no, every 10 yards, starting at 70 yards, man-sized targets, and it didn't count if you hit the shield. There was a, a, a soldier, 70, 60, 50, 40, 30, 20. And you had five seconds to shoot at each target, and you had to release the arrow during that target's count. And I saw this guy shoot 14 arrows and all hit in 30 seconds. He had one one notched and ready at when the count started. 
that was an incredible display of marksmanship. I participated in that the one time I did go, and um, I don't think I hit anybody at the <laughs> 70, 60, and 50 yard, but at the 40, 30, 20, and 10, yeah, I was doing but, okay, but, but wow. I yeah. mean, just shooting 14 arrows in 30 seconds is not easy. The, yeah. I mean, most people can't do that. You can usually get eight or nine. Right. If you were an um, elf, it's a piece of cake. 14 <laughs> at an advancing soldier and hit everyone. So there is there are people that never cease to amaze me. So some of the stuff we see in movies, not too far done. out of the realm of reality sometimes that's true that's true but then then again we are playing a fantasy role-playing game and these movies are just absolutely wonderful fodder for creating these wonderful characters and settings and things like that um we probably could come up with a huge list uh yeah yep have done that uh, <laughs> not going to mention all of them um but yeah that's, what that's we our favorites yeah what we see on the screen yeah really does sort of uh, as eric mentioned that it informs our our sort of shared culture base as to how we can describe and relate to things now um for the purchase of the purposes of the podcast here uh, I think we're going to to stick with just discussing things as they relate to Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. If you like role playing games and you like movies or TV shows, there is probably somewhere a source book for that movie or that TV show. Uh, that that started in the uh, in the early '80s, I think. Well, it was uh, Elric was one of the first ones. Yeah. They adapted those yeah. to its own game. Yeah. Uh, do you remember mm-hmm. who uh, who's who's that from? Do you remember what Michael Moorcock, the Elric series, or who? Well, I know the Michael game? Moorcock. The Elric said the game, the Stormbringer oh, game. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, but that was a that was another D and D offshoot game from the early '80s, and uh, I think that was one of the first. Yeah, that and used... that's never waned. I mean, even now there's uh, there's games uh, the Firefly. Uh, based on on, on the Firefly on series, Firefly series. Yeah. people play that all the time at Gen Con. Yes. They got multiple tables set up. It's really popular. I've never played it, but apparently right. it's a really yeah. good game. Yeah. The Star Wars and, and Star Trek games have gone through multiple uh, versions from a variety of different publishers. You know that kind of stuff is never going to end. Uh, and that's that's for the purposes of our discussion. That's kind of low hanging fruit. You know that's an easy discussion. We're going to uh, kind of more concentrate on what we've seen on the big screen that has seeped its way into our Dungeons and Dragons playing um, and because we're going to mostly stick with with movies and not go too much into TV because that's another whole yeah. ball of yeah. there do movies from the grognard perspective yes yeah exactly. definitely yeah. and uh, yeah and as far as I now um, when we're uh, when we're talking about uh, movies that we like and movies that help us um, one thing that you mentioned is uh, one of the things that we can use uh, the movies for is uh, to, to lend atmosphere or to describe, um, to, to use that as an anal- analogy to, to describe a setting or an action we're doing. You know, you're heading into a small city and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's just a little village. It's, uh, it's sort of like the village, you know, that they walked into at the beginning of the Hobbit movie. Or, uh, you know, you're going into a really big city um, uh, or a fortress and it's uh, it's kind of like Helm's Deep, but, you know, maybe not quite as grand as that. That's a a good way to um, to use films to describe settings and atmosphere. Um, I think more often uh, we use a lot of film characters uh, to help us uh, in character building. I know I do that a lot. I, for the most part, uh, I always cast my characters, which uh, I do that in most of the games I've always yeah. played. I, I find a real-life person when it's appropriate to uh Well, to what, let's talk about character. specific movies or sort of talking generalities. Yeah. I want to get yeah. to the meat and potatoes. And, uh, well, and the other thing, too, though, and what's going to pop up a lot here is we quote movies. Yeah. We quote movies a lot. 
Yeah. Maybe this is a good time to throw in our, our little segment of, of movie quotes just to prime the pump, so to speak, for what we're going to be talking about. We can do that. Uh, let's go ahead and... Hit us uh, with some quotes. Bye-bye, boys! Have fun storming the castle! And if you do not listen... And the hell with you. There can be only one. Just a flesh wound. Take your sticking paws off me, you damn dirty ape. You shall not pass. You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Who are you? I'm Dar. I live. I love. Slay, and I'm content. Okay, welcome back. Hope that was a good bunch of stuff. Yeah, hope everybody. So I didn't even know some of those quotes. You guys pulled out some some weird. You ones, know, so. sometimes I hear people say things, and they're everybody's laughing, and I know I should know the quote, and I know I've heard it before, but I'm bad at matching quotes to movies. That's like, I I absolutely suck at. Those games where you have to, you know, the lyrics of a song. What song is this? Through these lyrics. Yeah, I'm pretty good at that. I would hate. Yeah. I hate yeah. those games. <laughs> I I find out that I've been quoting stuff incorrectly for like 25 years. Yes. I'm like, oh, oh that's yeah. not the exact quote, actually. But it's close enough. It's close you know enough. what? If it works for your purposes, then that's perfectly fine. Right. Now, um, first thing I want to mention, uh, if we were to all say, what do you think is the most quoted and referenced? Vintagey grognard film when playing D D, what would you say? Alright, I I'm gonna do a knee-jerk answer. Yeah. But I've got a lot of reasons behind that. And I'm gonna say Conan the Barbarian with Schwarzenegger. You know what? I'm gonna broaden that and say Schwarzenegger. It's not just Conan. If you look at all the quotes, the Schwarzenegger yeah. quotes, people drop. I would, I could get behind That's that. That's fair. I could get yeah. behind that. Yes. Now, the other one, if we're just talking a specific movie, Princess Bride. I was going to almost say Monty Python. Monty Python. And the Holy Grail. Yeah. And you could broaden that much like you did with Schwarzenegger. Yeah. I, you know, I personally, Monty Python would be my vote. I, any game, whether it's a fantasy game or not, Someone at some point, if you're going somewhere, is gonna say, "As you wish, as you wish." Or, well, actually, you <laughs> no, know what? That's, that's not Monty Python. I get you. No, not in my. Yeah, that's Princess Bride. Exactly. I hear. I am. It I'm is screwing up. You are, yep, me too. Because I'm the first thing up. that popped into my head is what we always say, and I had uh, transposed that into Monty Python. But it you was know, uh, have fun storming the castle. Have fun storming yeah. the have castle. Have fun storming the castle. You know, here's my, and I'm gonna get some hate for this. I can tell. Monty Python and the Holy Grail is not my favorite Monty Python mm-hmm. movie. And mm-hmm. I will even go so far no, it's not. as to lay a very very controversial claim that if it is your favorite Monty Python movie, you're not a real Monty Python fan. I would say that you haven't watched many Monty Python fan uh, movies if that is your favorite. Yeah. I would yeah. say you I mean, it's a good many. movie. Don't get me wrong. I have the most affection for that movie. I say that it is my favorite. It is not the funniest. Um... You got meaning of life, uh, meaning of life, and life of Brian. A lot of people like life yeah. of Brian. Yeah. Are they're more intellectual? The the life of Brian. You know, I sit and I watch that movie with conservative Christians, and they're rolling. 
you know, laugh and laughter. And I'm thinking to myself, you guys have no clue that this is basically just making fun <laughs> of your core beliefs. And it's still amusing. I mean, there's something to be said for that kind of humor. I think I think a lot of people do understand that the humor is being made, you know, the, is yeah. being poking fun at their core belief, but at the same time they understand. Yeah, it's, it's humor. I mean, that's uh, that's okay, but they don't realize it, which is yeah. the amusing part to me. Yeah, uh, one that gets forgotten a lot, and I, one I actually saw in the theater, uh, Jabberwocky. Oh yeah. Do you guys remember Jabberwocky? I do remember Jabberwocky, and Jabberwocky confused the living daylights it out of me. It did. Uh, I, my parents let me watch Monty Python on Channel 12 when I was in fifth grade. Mm-hmm. Probably shouldn't have been doing that. <laughs> oh, my parents um, didn't care. They were the and, cartoon boobies? Yep, yep. <laughs> that was one time my mom was walking by, and she goes, what is that? And I'm like, it's art. It's British. It's okay. And she's like, oh, okay. And then it's, she on W-I-L-L. it's on W I L L. It's on W I L L. How could it possibly be any harm? And plus, it's it's not as racy as Benny Hill, which no, it's barely be PG by yeah. today's standards. But we don't use Benny Hill or the no. regular Monty Python stuff for our D and D sessions. We use stuff like Conan the Barbarian and yeah. the Princess Bride, and a lot of these movies that have come out. I think really. For me, the most influential movies, aside from the most recent Lord of the Rings movies, and not the Hobbits, but the Lord of the Rings movies, all came from the 80s for me. And maybe that's because that's when I was playing the game, you know, hardcore, incessantly. And I was also able to watch more movies. Yeah, too. that's you have more time for in preparation for this episode. I, I was like, you know, I really should re rewatch some of these movies. I didn't. I, I just have. I really wanted to as well. I, I just did not have the time because the list kept getting longer. And actually, and my longer. daughter came home yesterday and she found a copy of one of the Dungeons and Dragons movies at the thrift store and she bought it for me. Oh it was like a dollar. She's like, Eric, look what I got you. Wasn't there <laughs> only just the one? Um, there was. I believe there was a couple straight to late night TV because yes. the company that hold, still holds the rights until recently. Um, they had to make a movie every two years or the rights reverted. And uh, they've had the rights for a long time, which so is why we haven't seen the Dungeons & Dragons movie yeah. in a long time. So they were pumping out these cheap, really bad movies. And um, yeah, I, I have heard those rights are just in this the wind year, right Yeah, now, there's planning. I think they they won a lawsuit. They won a court case. Now they have the rights back, and they're talking about making a movie. Yes, I do believe that they've actually got some people who are wanting to actually make a real movie that relates to the game that we know and love. Well, and and it's there's a lot fun. of people in Hollywood, too, who are hard D&D players okay, and I, I'm want lo- to be involved in that movie. I'm looking right here. There are, oh my gosh, there are like 10 Dungeons & Dragons movies. Yeah. Uh, the 2000 film, I think, is the only one. Is, yeah, is, there's one the cinematic yeah. and the rest were yeah. two. Uh, yeah. Vin Diesel, The Last Witch Hunter, right? I believe that's the name of it. Uh, yeah. That was based on a Dungeons & Dragons character. He yeah. basically came up with that idea, wanted to make a movie based on his Dungeons & Dragons character, and did. It was a decent movie. Yeah, yeah I did not see that one, but I uh, yeah, I was aware that that was his uh, D&D character brought to life. All right, so for me, Conan the Barbarian. I don't think we need to really discuss it too much. I mean, <laughs> yeah. if you want to see a great sword and sorcery movie, that I think, and as a huge fan of the Robert E. Howard writings, the books, yeah. you know, of what was written of Conan back in the 1920s and 30s, it's not Conan, but it's it's good. It's good. I think it's the best Conan that we've had so far. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, yeah. I, I also grew up on Conan. That's the kind of campaign I like to run, that sort of gritty, brutal sort of campaign. And it was right. in our heyday growing up, you know. And a lot of the cities... 
that I use in my campaigns or my world are based on the cities that I read about and were somewhat, at least Shadazar in the movie was mm-hmm. was portrayed as one of the, uh, a very good example of what I use in my uh, my campaigns. Yeah. And the ones that were written about in the books I also use. So for me, yeah. it's a mix of both the movie and the books. Uh, Conan is, is also, I think, significant, not just because it was very good, but again, it was Schwarzenegger's first you know, starring role. That was his big cinema oh, break. Hercules in New York, buddy. Um, Don't uh, forget that one. He was dubbed, but it was him. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But that was that was his big Hollywood debut. And I think the success of that movie is what kicked off the uh, the early to mid-80s low-budget sword and sorcery uh, boom. Right. And we cannot, if you're going to talk about Conan kicking off all that, you cannot ignore what I think was one of the best I know it was probably total shite, but I think it was one of the best sci-fi, not sci-fi, but fantasy sword and sorcery movies, and it was called The Sword and the Sorcerer. I love The Sword and the Sorcerer. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, <laughs> I did not, never saw it. You guys brought that up. Uh, it was a staple on HBO in the early 80s. Oh, yes, that it, it was. It, I don't think it made, uh, well, it, it cost about 15 bucks to make, and it sold about that many tickets, but it was on HBO when I was in high school twice a week for like two years. I saw that movie a hundred times, and while it was super low budget and super cheesy, it had a really good feel to it and a yes. spirit to it. The, the writing was was above average for the production. Yeah, it was 1982. Uh, Lee Horsley coming off some crap TV series he was a star of. They thought, ah, oh, we got this kind of good-looking burly guy. We'll throw him into this. He had that awful sheet metal sword that shot the blades out of the side. Yes, it was a three-bladed sword. I, I, now you mentioned that. Yeah, I did see that. I remember that part. The two outside blades actually shot off, you know, like like a missile. Yes, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. But, no, they, but if we're they, talking cheese factor, Hawk yeah. the Slayer... I don't know if you guys saw that. It was about not know an archery guy. And basically, talk about shooting fast. This guy could like shoot incredibly fast, like machine gun fast. And as the effect, all they did was clipped him releasing the arrow. They didn't even show him like drawing an arrow. They just went. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> you know who was the star in that? I do. It's been a lot. One of my one of high the coolest players. guys Love ever that. who could do one arm push ups at the age of 80. Jack Palance. Oh, there you go. Was he the main character or the bad guy? Uh, Well, I don't know, but anytime Jack Palance is in a movie for me, he's the main character. Yeah, I love that guy. I fully admit I'm not the movie nerd that you guys are. He's he's still, I always think of him as Dracula. He was a really badass Dracula. Yeah. uh, Yeah, that one I do not know. Um, and I know one of the uh, they they threw out a, a Red Sonia movie that they didn't that was hooked yeah, up to the Conan was, movies. Uh, yeah, uh, you know that was not good. Can we talk about something here? <laughs> um, Red Sonia. There's a lot of people out there who know Red Sonia as one thing and one thing only. Uh, the movie. A chain mail bikini, bikini clad redhead swinging a sword. Yeah. When Robert E. Howard wrote her, it took place in the 1600s, and she was wearing leather and a, carried a rapier and she was like this you know a little vigil- more Joan of Arc like yeah. she was kind of a vigilante yeah <laughs> and probably a good time to mention I want to do another episode that similar to this one but focusing on books and we can get into a lot oh, of yeah. stuff like that because yeah. I'm more of a literary guy growing up but 
today's just about movies. So yeah. we'll, we'll. Yeah. So yeah, Red Sonja is uh, even though Schwarzenegger was in it, that was a that was a tough movie to watch. That even was a tough Conan movie. the Destroyer, I do not enjoy nearly as much as the first. Well, one. there was something about well, you had James Earl Jones as the bad guy in that one, and gr- well, yeah. Grace Jones or Grace Jones, Grace Slick, Grace, Grace Slick, no, Grace, Grace Slick. Well, Grace Jones is from Jefferson Airplane slash Starship. That's right. <laughs> James Earl was in the first one. Yes, yeah. uh, Grace, Grace Jones was in the second one. Yes, they, uh, and so. Um, the reason behind that Barbarian, or I'm sorry, Destroyer didn't work as well as Barbarian is because they wanted to make it PG, and they did. Yeah. And they made it more lighthearted, and it just I do like apart. that character of the, the rogue type who uses the twin daggers, who's just Malik. sort of the smartass. Yeah, I, I, I've used uh, him to base a couple NPCs off of. It yes. During my game yep, he, he's a classic. Yeah. Um, what about the more ones that are also, uh, I think, a little bit more intellectual i know i'm going off you know off the deep end if, if i call excalibur intellectual. i was thinking that exact same thing oh yeah the i whole love concept, me some excalibur. The meta concept behind yeah. um excalibur i loved excalibur when it first came out i was a little i was like i think i was expecting more action and less there's a lot of interpersonal dialogue, stuff a lot of moody discussion relate. in poorly lit rooms which actually kind of led to the atmosphere of the period. But, you know, it was based on actual, you know, legends. Yeah, Lamorte so, Arthur. Yes. So you had a lot of material to draw from. And a lot of the movies we talk about, I think our more favorite ones, had a basis in, in literature of some sort. And then sort of those cheesy ones just sort of yeah. came. Yeah. Somebody drew up a screenplay overnight and, and yeah. spent I believe $15 that was, uh, I believe John Milius, didn't he do uh, Excalibur? I believe he did. Uh, it was a... Yeah. Pretty popular well, script the, writer and occasional director in the uh, 70s and 80s. The, the other one that's sort of a highbrow, um, if you think oh, about it, my bad, Hi- wrong Highlander. John. Highlander, that whole concept is, think about if you ran a D&D campaign where there can be only one. Yes. I mean, now granted, it doesn't make for a good group. But that whole concept where you have to hunt down people and yeah. slay them so you can gain their power, it's a really interesting concept. I wonder if anybody has any has ever done that in an RPG campaign setting or a group. If, if you have, please comment on our SoundCloud because we would love to know if somebody's done something like that where you're basically pitting the characters, your players, against one another in order to advance. I think if they know ahead of time... That that's the case, like because in Highlander, he's friends with somebody else that's also you know uh, one of the whatever they call him. I don't know, but the one yeah, you, yeah there can be like only he one crosses their paths the and they ally temporarily, and then they defeat uh, somebody else, mm-hmm. and then they usually split apart. So you could theoretically have a D and D party that that was the case. And, yeah. and if I were designing this idea, I might say, okay, here's the deal: when you die, then you take over, you run an NPC who's not. A Highlander yeah. type, but yeah. so you can continue or, to or play. Pl- or plan it as a short run campaign, or maybe even something at a con where everybody gets an immortal character and the last man standing yeah, is, is you know, the winner. You don't get a lot. But people always say, Did you win D&D? And well, you don't win D&D. You'll win that one. <laughs> my by wife who says Keeping that. your head. So in these movies, all these movies we're talking about, what do you use the most of? I, as a player myself, I use them as templates for characters and as a GM, templates for environment. I don't think I know of anybody 
Do you use them for your fight scenes, or do you use them for your fighting styles and there stuff like that? There are sometimes, especially as a player, uh, there used to be a game called Musketeers. I forget who made it. Um, hmm, it was a box game. It might have been Avalon Hill. It was around that time period. And they had this concept called Daring Do, um, where you could try to do this sort of outlandish stuff that you would see in movies like The Three Musketeers. Like, I'm going to slide down the banister and, and you know— and swipe somebody, or I'm going to jump across, grab the chandelier, and, and pull it down to the ground. And that kind of stuff, um, as a player, I like when players take advantage of the environment and do that kind of that kind of stuff. So from that perspective, um, I think movies are helpful. You know, same with some of the, the Seven Samurai, mm-hmm. um, you know, those fight scenes. If a player goes through the thing to say, I'm going to position myself this way so that I can— you know, take advantage of, of the layout, I'm going to give them an advantage on that that attack roll, you yeah. know? I mean, yeah. I enjoy that as a DM, and a lot of that stuff is things they've seen in movies. Yeah, that's that's another uh, really good use for movies is when you're trying to explain, an, uh, as a character, when you're trying to explain an action, you're like, yeah, I want to do that just like that dude did, you know, in Seven Samurai, you know, making that shot. Um, that's that's a classic now, uh, classic movie. Pull. On the other side, making characters a lot, you know, a lot of people make. My first characters were based on you know characters from literature and movies. Oh yeah, you know, when you're young, that's what you. Uh, it's sort of annoying when people do that, and it's blatant. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes it's really blatant. You know, right. I remember the everybody playing uh, Dritz back when. Uh, uh, that stuff came out. Those books came out. And yeah, even now, you get I, side I don't think that's gone away yet. No. So we're kind of talking about these movies, and I'm, I'm not trying to take away from what you're you're leading into, but there are so many movies. I think we should actually try to, like, throw some of these movie titles out for our listeners. It might spark their, like, their, their yeah. memory and go, oh, my gosh, I forgot yeah. about or that. Or they'd say, wow, I haven't seen that one. Maybe I exactly. need to go look at it. So Uh-oh. one of my favorites, 1985 one of my favorite actors, not because he was in Blade Runner or anything like that, but because he was in the movie called The Hitcher. Um, <laughs> he was good in that. He was awesome. Rutger Hauer in Flesh and Blood. Yeah. One of yeah. the best, most, I don't want to say most realistic, but a very... For the time, it was pretty historically accurate. It was a good representation of yeah. the medieval times. You know, as compared as a, to as a mercenary. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah, and if people haven't seen it, he, he runs a mercenary company. There's a little bit of a double cross, and yes. and they're sort of real gritty. I mean, if you think Conan is gritty, this is probably double oh, that. Yeah. Yes. Once, once, they, once the play gets introduced, it gets super gritty really fast. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that's Flesh and Blood, 1985, with Rutger Hauer and the beautiful Jennifer Jason Lee. Mm. Yeah. She was always... Yeah. She was always good to movie. Yes, she was. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, another movie I think that uh, that definitely ties in a lighter movie, uh, Beastmaster. Yeah. Back in that period, there. Did Mark oh. Singer in that. Mark Singer is the Beastmaster. Uh, I think didn't he? Then they segue that into a TV series as well. I yeah, believe. there was a brief with Beastmaster with TV him as yeah. That that's pretty much his career except for V. That was his entire uh, career was based around Beastmaster. But he was he was so very likable in that. But the term Beastmaster, uh, that is used, you know, in the player's handbook yeah, to describe yeah. a class of ranger. And, and, I, and I think it came from, uh, you know, I don't know which way it fed, but it was that era that... that they're pretty close. Yeah, they're pretty close. I'm not sure if the movie spawned the, the thought or the... You know. uh, 
yeah, and that's certainly it's certainly valid, you know, to, to watch that movie and you know maybe get a little out of that now, because yeah. he's he's sort of a, a wandering, you know, do-gooder that speaks to animals, probably, you know, and I think they have incorporated that into the rules. So it's uh, yep. that's uh, now perfectly uh, legit. along that light-hearted vein. These are movies my wife enjoys, <laughs> <laughs> who's not really a gamer, but uh, Legend, I love Willow. Legend. Um, the David Bowie Labyrinth, 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 all yeah. sort of fantasy, more yeah. lighthearted. Yeah, especially yeah. especially Willow and Legend; those are definitely uh, Legend hard to fantasy. me was one of my favorite movies at the time because um, I knew exactly what it was going for. It was essentially a fairy tale. Yeah, I and didn't love it as much. So many people when I was in the theater, they're like, oh, "That was crap." I was expecting blah blah blah, and I was like, "It's a fairy tale." You had to come at it thinking about a fairy tale i thought it was really well done i really enjoyed it and i didn't even mind that it was tom cruise yeah that was a downside for me tim curry more than made up for tom cruise yes couple more uh dark crystal yeah oh well, do you know that they're coming up with a prequel to dark crystal uh, in really? tv series form oh the Jim Henson Company is doing it. Yep, and never ending story. And the last of the lighthearted fantasy that I oh, can I can come up with. I could you that. call could you really call the never ending story lighthearted? That was pretty dark. It gets a little heavy in places, but uh, oh, it was it was aimed wow. at a slightly younger audience than uh, you know. There's Conan. A, there's a <laughs> lot of kids who had some traumatic experiences when the horse drowns in the tar pits. The that's true. I mean, so, all those movies, yeah, I don't know. I, you're, my memory of them probably differs from, I haven't seen them in years. Yes. Uh, the Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Do you guys, did you guys see that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. yeah. It was a Terry Gilliam movie, yep. so I, I, was, yeah. I was there for yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's another lighthearted, good one. Uh, it's a, it's a little, 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 was little that more the of one with the evil, the period? concentrated evil? Yes, the, little, the, the, t- the block of evil. concentrated evil. Yeah. yeah. You know, now, that's, that's more of a... 17th, 18th century sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. With, you, know, you got guns and fancy ships, but, right. uh, but you know, it still works. Now, it's Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. These are my three top movies for best dragons, and it is not Dragonheart. Um, Dragon Slayer. Yeah, that's my number one. Yeah. Reign of Fire. Mm-hmm. That was and pretty good. Uh, pretty good. Rain of Fire. I thought that was a rockin' fun movie. <laughs> um, and then, of course, Smaug from uh, The Hobbit. Hobbit. The, Hobbit yeah. the way they were portrayed and animated and made, that is what I think a dragon in Dungeons & Dragons, all of my dragons, well, they don't all look like that, but that is the ma- the majesty, the the intimidation level, that is what I think. A dragon is and i think those three movies do the best yeah my Your my thoughts? favorite my favorite film dragon is vermithrax from dragon slayer that is not really a classic dungeons and dragons style dragon because you know it doesn't talk it's not it's an animal it's not intelligent it's it's not self-aware intelligent it's it's more of an animal you know it can seek vengeance but it's you know it's not tossing spells and uh, right but man and, uh, is it an, when i saw that on the big screen I was like, holy crap, no. that's a yeah. dragon. And Dragon Slayer just came up recently in my home game. The players uh, took down a white dragon. And what's the first thing? I believe, it might have even been Greg. Yes, it Can was. Can I harvest some scales and make a shield out of them? Oh, yeah. that happened every time a dragon got yeah. a, you know, grab the scales, get the scales, yeah. make some dragon scale and we, armor. And we ate that bad boy, too. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, Frick yeah. Dragon steaks, man. Yes, yes, yeah. So um, um, the the beauty of Vermithrax is that it's a go motion creature. You know, all these other dragons, almost every elder dragon that was mentioned here is a CGI creation. Vermithrax is a model, and yet it's just as real, if not more so, than the CGI characters. You know, I had forgotten that, that that was a stop motion. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I believe Phil Tippett did that one, and I think it was a go motion character. So, uh, which was um, a, a, his special technique for making stop motion things more realistic. Now, and, we're probably going to tra- transition to more modern stuff. But before we do that, because I was raised on a strict diet of fantasy and science fiction, I just want to mention, throw out some science fiction movies that have sort of uh, impacted and influenced my, my D&D. Um, Aliens uh, is just, again, that gritty feel. The second one, not the first one, the second yeah. one, and more militaristic. And it's good for harvesting quotes. We've already talked about Schwarzenegger, Terminator and Predator, mm-hmm. um, yeah. two, two big influences. Fifth Element, uh, a movie that sort of flew under the radar and just has stay in power, you know? I showed that recently to some younger uh, people that come over to my house on Sunday nights to watch sci-fi movies. They'd never even heard of it. And they're watching it. Wow, that's it. messed up. Yeah. And they were watching it, and they were like, this is fantastic. Yeah, and you look at, like, the other up-against movies of that era, mm-hmm. it is head and shoulders, graphically, visually, just unbelievable. It definitely had a unique feel to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and as long as we're on Bruce Willis, the Die Hard series, that, you know, the one person with no resources pitted against the group of big bad evils and he has to use his, his brains. I mean, that's a classic D&D trope that I, I go back to over and over again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. Well, a lot of that had to do with the uh, the writer-director on that. You know, he's he's definitely one of those guys that has a, a unique vision. Uh, he just Didn't he just do that Valerian Chronicles? Yeah, yeah. I think that's his same movie. And it, uh, I did not see that movie, but just okay. judging from the trailers, it did have that same, had that feel, that I sort watched of urgency it to it. I watched on HBO, and here's the thing that bugged me. Okay, so the main characters... They look like they're like 15 and 16. They they look really young. Maybe I'm just getting old and everybody looks young now. Uh, no, both of those actors. They're, um, they're older. They're like in their 20s. Oh, no, they are. They're in their like but mid to late 20s. But they look so young and there's like a romantic interest. And I just had this like awkward, like it just was uncomfortable to watch them interact romantically because they That's look so That's because you're young. old. Yes, exactly. <laughs> You know, I, I, I knew I was old when I was in graduate school, and I walked across the quad one day, and I saw a young co-ed in this little halter top and short shorts, and the first thing that went through my mind was, I wonder if her parents know she dresses that way at college. <laughs> Ooh, I was like, oh, my that's God, a bad sign. Yeah. Yeah, you are done. <laughs> yeah. All right, so going back, and this is relating to some recent news, and this might not be recent anymore when people listen to the podcast, but uh, uh, Wizards of the Coast just up announced their new product, which is based in Waterdeep. There's two books coming out this year. One is called Dragon Heist. It's apparently a source book for um, urban adventures Mm -hmm. and takes characters from levels one to five. And um, there's some side adventures. They said it can take years and downtime between adventures. It's not a sort of fast-forward kind of thing. Cool. Um, The second one is essentially Undermountain, which is uh, the caverns under uh, Waterdeep. Uh, that's inhabited by a mad mage and runs things. It sounds like a typical dungeon crawl. I'm really excited about that uh, because I love dungeon crawls, and we've really been yeah. lacking just a straightforward bust down the door and kill stuff, take their treasure kind of adventure. Um, there will still oh, be the seems like we've been doing that puzzles. a little bit here lately. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
But as part of that, they release some artwork, and they have a character who looks like a cavalier, and he's got these weird suspenders and like a almost a mankini kind of thing. It's not flattering. Oh, and it no, was a no, throwback no, 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 to a movie no, no. that I had never seen no. called Zardoz. No one in their right mind has seen that. And Sean Connery was in it, and he's in that similar outfit. If you look at the Wikipedia page, they have a picture of him in that outfit. Yeah. It's quite disturbing. Yeah. Uh, but that was another movie, it apparently, is, uh, people picked up on you know the online world picks up on stuff within minutes and yeah it's basically sean connery in all of his hairiness yes. in a mankini a yeah. red mankini with yeah. his awesome 70s stash going which i believe the drawing had the yeah awesome they stash had the stash well. and, and just uh you know a warning if you go to the wikipedia page and look up that movie and see that image it will be burned forever in your mind yeah it, it's hard it, to unsee that yes yeah, that is not something you can wipe that memory of but uh, so apparently, you know, people making the content for D and D also have this tie into old bad movies. Do you think that uh, we will be seeing um, characters and and uh, classes and things like that related to new stuff that we're seeing? For instance, like Game of Thrones. You know, some of those you know those those characters from Game of Thrones, because Game of Thrones is the biggest and the best that I think. Hollywood, and I really can't even call it Hollywood because it's HBO doing it, yeah. uh, um, has put out. It's made with Hollywood, yeah, uh, uh, Hollywood quality and production it. value, so I don't, I don't think anything informs the fantasy genre in the last, what, six or eight years nearly as much as Game of Thrones. I mean, you know, do you expect to every, see a Daenerys type of character come out? Here's my it. thing. I think everything's already been done. It's just what we put the stress on. Um, you know, those, those, you know, there's an old theory that when you tell a story, there's only like seven basic stories. Yeah, I've heard that. Right? There's the, the love found, then lost, love found, uh, you know, the search for, um, you know, an object. I mean, you can The hero's Google. quest. The, the hero's quest. quest yeah. uh, you know, so more general. And the same with the, the archetypes. You know, you get into sort of the uh, uh, Joseph Campbell you know, the, the hero's quest and the archetypes, the wise elder kind of thing. I think all those are already out there. It's just a matter of what we stress and what we want to play. Um, relating it back to 5th edition, the mastermind subclass is so underutilized, and it really depends on your, your campaign, but that's more Game of Thrones-ish. You know, mm -hmm. if you think about um, the elder Lannister who got the crossbow bolt in the, in the privy, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Uh, Old man Lannister. Yeah, he was a mastermind. You right. know, he put it all together. You know, and he influenced things. And and that to me is interesting. If you have a campaign that that sort of rewards that sort of play, uh, so there's a lot of those archetypes that that could be played, but don't just because the way we play D and D isn't isn't conducive to that most of the time. So, what about movies that? Kind of make fun. Or uh, either make fun of it or sometimes treat it in a, in a respectful manner. Uh, that's the exception, not the rule. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and definitely the granddaddy of all of those is uh, Mazes and Monsters. 
Oh, I, I own Mazes and Monsters on video cassette on VHS. Yeah, that was 1982, and of course that was like uh, Tom Hanks's one of his first. That movies. was that was one of his first starring roles. Um, yeah, I think I've got it uh, taped on a VHS somewhere that probably isn't so, watchable anymore. Some of our listeners might might not be familiar with Mazes and Monsters and and the era in which it came out. Right. Okay. Um, so let's well, somebody well, describe it. Well, it's based on a novel uh, by Rona Jaffe. Yeah. And then they adapted that. Uh, and as most TV movies are, adapted very heavily. They took the basic idea of it and jammed it into a movie. But um, in 1979, there was a, uh, a student in a Michigan college, uh, a James Egberg, James Dallas Engberg, because everybody crazy, you use all three of their names, you know, Lee Harvey Oswald, uh, you know, James Earl Ray, James Dallas Engberg. Anyway, um, he was a regular D&D player, and uh, he turns up missing. Um, apparently, he was a gentleman that had some uh, you know, yeah, mental some health issues. issues going on. And uh, he goes missing. They start looking for him. What do they find in his dorm room? They find some Dungeons and Dragons books. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's what set him off the deep and, end. And then they said he went to the steam tunnels be- under the university the because he thought he turned legend. into his Dungeons and Dragons character. And, and not all that's true in retrospect, but that started the satanic panic. Yeah. Right. And uh, so... And that that are, that's a that's an urban legend that still pops up from this to this day. I mean, you know, when I went to the U of I, you know, did you guys play Dungeons and Dragons in the steam tunnels? I'm like, no one does that. Well, it's that guy that died in there. No, it, it never happened. Um, to it's be honest, the Slender with you, Man of the '80s. This happened within the last six months to me. Um, I was talking with uh, some younger people about playing Dungeons and Dragons, and they were like, "Oh, you play Dungeons and Dragons too?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I never really stopped." And this, that, and the other thing. And another gentleman who was <clears throat> just kind of part of the conversation coming and goes, oh, my gosh, you play that game? That's the, you know, uh, uh, d- that's with demons and demonic worship and stuff yeah. like that. And I, I mean, I thought that that was done and gone. Yeah, you were and I gone. looked at him I, and I I've, said, yeah. that is absolutely unsubstantiated, untrue, and that's not real. And I, I set him straight, and I did, I did it in a very nice way. Yeah. I said, listen, I am a church-going guy, and I'm sorry to say, but you have been fed a line. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised <laughs> that that still popped up. but It uh, did, and this yeah. was six months and, ago. Yeah. And not to derail our conversation, but yeah. we're going to do a whole podcast on the history of D&D, and we're going to do a segment, probably a lengthy segment, on the satanic panic, because yeah, that's, that's, a, a, that's a big yeah, the, segment. The, but, the, broad, the broad strokes of it were because of um, uh, the televangelism and the popularity of mainstream evangelists in the 80s. That was something they could latch on to. Uh, to, for lack of a better word, demonize was, you know, you get your hands on a D&D rule book and it's full of demons. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, the, uh, you know, in and, all honesty, and the original worship. one, you know, did, you did have a class called the assassin. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, they did um, clean it up later on. They got rid of that stuff. Uh, and players one, one of the things like that the, the detractors always kind of skirted around and didn't point out was the majority of people playing their idea was to defeat the devil worshipers yeah. and kill the demons, but you didn't know, I try to get away from this? And Greg just sucked us right back into yep, that, I did. that topic. Let's <laughs> get back to movies. That's Greg. my job. So Mazes and Monsters, made job. for TV movie, right. yeah. really cheesy. That's a it was awful depiction cheesy. of Dungeons and Dragons. So a D and D light game because I'm sure they didn't yeah. want to get sued. Now here's one that I um, did. You ever get a chance to watch the movie Knights of Badass Dawn? Oh, not yeah. seen that yet. Oh, Greg, I know you were to me last. 
last week, and I just have not had the time to sit you down and watch it. You are in for a treat. Peter Dinklage. Yes. That's why I watched it after I saw him in, in the Summer X-Men Glow. movie. Yeah, yeah Summer Glow from two draws uh, right Steve, here. Steve Zahn. Yeah, I mean, but, uh, it, it was basically, I believe, I would think, it was a movie that they just wanted to make. Yes. And I, they were like, we're going to make it. And it was so fun. And I don't want to spoil anything for you, Greg, or our listeners. I've but seen trailers for it. and uh, It's basically, um, they're LARPers, live action role players, but, you know, they probably play their D&D too. And they kind of conjure up a demon from hell by mistake, and they got to deal with it in real life. Yeah. And it is so tongue-in-cheek. But it does get a bit dark. It's a little bit, but but you have to. I mean, but it's just it it embraces the fun, and and it's a it's basically an homage, a loving tribute to the game. I think. Yeah, I think I think you're right. And and let's just talk about LARPing really quick because yeah. a lot of people sort of poo poo those. If that's your gig, man, if that's what you like to do, more power to you. Like. You know, I I've done it all. Uh, we did reenactment. I've I've messed around with LARP. I did Vampire, the Masquerade live action. I had a girlfriend oh, one time who was yeah. into that. It's interesting. It's not what I want to do regularly, but you know, it's it's a side trip. And as if, long if as it doesn't take over your life, people like doing it and want to get together and yeah. do it. More power to um, you. I know uh, the TV series Psych. Which uh, never never seen Psych? No. Uh, oh, God, it was six or seven seasons. Big fans of that at my house. They uh, they like to lampoon a lot of things or have themes on that. They did a LARPing episode. One of the characters um, uh, did a little live action on the side there. And you know, honestly, they they poked fun at some of the ludicrous parts of it, but they were respectful for the parts that were not. Okay, so. And, the LARPers ended up saving the day. Yeah, and um, might be a good time to drop in Community, the series Community, which I've seen a handful of episodes. I'm not a big TV guy. Yeah, they did two episodes that focused on Dungeons & Dragons, and, and the part I love about this is that every Community episode is titled like a class title you would find at a community college because it's based on community college. Yeah. And the second Dungeons and Dragons episode was called Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Nice. Which just, I don't know, that still makes me laugh. Yeah, uh, I, uh, but not, there, not a show a I watch, good. but I, I did uh, I did watch those sequences on uh, YouTube. Yeah, I think if you're a, a D&D player, somebody has told you about that particular episode or episodes and you've gone out and watched them, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and of course, uh, lately from the last few years, uh, something that's really kind of brought D and D out a little bit is uh, Stranger Things. Yeah, on and Netflix. an accurate portrayal of D and D for the most part. Yep, accurate, respectful, and let's face it, it was crucial to the plot of the entire show. I was what you know the first time I was late to the Stranger Things, you know the the hoopla. I yeah. was I I it took me about a month or so to get there. Yeah, and I got I'm it on the tail end a little bit yeah. myself. I was watching it, and, you know, they're doing the game, and it's the first edition stuff, and they're talking about all these things that I, you know, encountered in the game when I was a kid and stuff like this. And I'm sitting there just kind of like giddy on the couch watching this. I'm like, oh, my gosh, somebody gets it. Yeah, I know somebody those guys. It. Yeah, <laughs> I, I knew those dudes. We yeah. were those dudes. Yeah, we yeah. were those dudes. And my wife's <laughs> like, what in the heck? <laughs> yeah, and, and the interesting thing about that and sort of to – delve into the adolescent mind was part of the escapism when you're a teenager playing D&D is you're thinking exactly what happened in Stranger Things. 
because I play this game, I'm more prepared. Yes, you if, think you definitely. You know, if if it comes to fisticuffs, I you know, <laughs> I've studied brawling. <laughs> I mean, yeah. to the, to a 13 year old, that sort of makes sense. That makes perfect sense um, when you're 13. And but in Stranger Things. The interesting dynamic to me was that, so you had this totally way out stuff that the adults had no context and no framework to hang this on. And the kids were like, oh yeah, this is just like that D&D adventure we did. Oh, it and makes this perfect is, sense. Yeah, this is- We don't know how to deal with this. I mean, and to, as a 13-year-old playing D, D&D, that's the way your mind sort of thought. Yes. You know? So that was very interesting. That sort was of the genius of that moment. show. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yep. Really well done. And then, of course, you have to mention E.T., because in E.T., e. they're yeah. playing Dungeons and Dragons yeah, in the very beginning yeah. of E.T. And I was reading something about that Spielberg let the kids play the game. And just filmed them? And they mm. just filmed them. And it was like, you know, the real thing. It had the pizza box and the drinks. And the and the kids were just kind of playing the game. They, they didn't know how to play, but they were given an idea. And then they picked it up. I had totally forgotten about that. You? Yeah. Th- you? The big movie guy? And I saw E.T. twice the week it came out. Uh, but you know what? I don't think I've seen it since. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, got, mean, it got too popular. And, but you know what? All those references after this, back to the satanic panic, they all dropped. Like no oh, one yeah. wanted to touch it when D&D became a hot potato. Yeah. Yeah. Because that, uh, wasn't, it that wasn't, wasn't until, until like 8384. We saw it again. Yeah. 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 Right. And E.T. squeaked in just a little before that uh, yeah. became a, a bad issue there. Um, yeah, I know. Um, now, one thing, uh, another thing that you can actually... Uh, uh, that'll come up with movies and films is I actually have a module based on a film. Uh, the Keep was an original. It's an AD and D module where they actually took a That's right. cheesy '80s horror film, and um, it's about Nazis fighting a demon in a castle. Yeah. Keep. Yeah. Uh, it's based on an F. Paul Wilson novel. Uh, however, the the module is the the backstory of that. Where in the module you, I think, have to imprison the demon in the castle. Huh. So um, yeah, well, I was flipping through it. I, I dug you know that out about a month was? ago. I never played that one. I don't think. Uh, I never played either. I bought, I bought it because I saw the movie and I thought the movie was kind of cool. Had Nazis in it. Nazis was in it, what and what those UK my was it? Look it up, Dean. What's Look, that? The keep what module number it was? Oh, the sure. keep module number. I'll have to tell you. Because uh, ADD modules for people who weren't around, they had uh, letters associated with letters and numbers. So your B's were your basics. Your X's were your expert. Your um, A series was the Slave Pit series that then led into the uh, it Giants, might have been a third, I believe, been a third party item. Um, and then there was this weird UK series, um, and yeah, they it, they were always a little wacky. Uh, okay. Well, it was certainly a low-budget film. All oh, right. There it is. Yes, it was by Roll Aids. Which okay, I so stuff. it wasn't an actual TSR module. It was not a That's TSR. Why. It was designed for Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Okay, and it was an adventure. They did, that yeah. name always made me laugh. Yeah. Roll aids. Yeah. That's what you take for an upset stomach. Yeah. yeah, and this was it was designed for skill levels nine to twelve. So they were oh, you know they yeah, had they some were stuff going on. You are you are fighting a you are a pretty nasty demon in it in the film. It uh, it kills an entire <laughs> squad of machine gun toting Nazis. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not a great movie, but Ooh. it was very atmospheric, and uh, I thought that was a cool module. I actually I. I actually bought it to give to my game master so we could play it. I, that's why I never looked through it because I'm like, I might be running through this, so I'll, I'll uh, you know, keep it to myself. But um, and it never happened. No, it never did. Um, I was actually, uh, I had toyed with the idea in the early 80s of doing some game mastering and uh, <laughs> got over that really quick. Um, 
that was around the time my uh, fantasy group uh, fell apart and I uh, got in with the uh, uh, the evil um, uh, superhero gamers. But um, uh, my, I was using, pulling directly from a film, uh, my first run, I was going to try to structure and base it almost completely on the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. I was going to hide a treasure somewhere, uh, put uh, buried in a grave, uh, make the characters run through some war zones, um, give one character information, make sure I, make sure that I gave the two most out there selfish characters bits of information that they were probably not going to want to share. Uh, that back then that wasn't really too hard to manipulate people to do that. Um, again, perfectly yeah. legitimate uh, way. I steal to come a lot up. of plots from movies, TVs. I mean, it's just. Hey, if you change it enough, no one realizes. Right, and the thinking's been done for you already. Yeah. Speaking of TVs, I don't know if you guys watched The Vikings. Um, yes, I do. Current, oh, my God. I, I love wish that I did. Series. Um, that is the most uh, philosophical I, set of Vikings I think they, I've ever. They are very complex individuals, <laughs> uh, but I steal a lot of NPCs from there because the characters are so well-developed. And it's um, a beautiful, movie, beautiful show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's another one. Now, we have yeah. we sort of mentioned it, but the elephant in the room— that we haven't gone into, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. I I really don't think. Um, well, I mean, let's look at the facts. Dungeons and Dragons was heavily based on uh, Gygax's <laughs> love of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Not according to Gygax. Not but, according to yeah. Gygax. Well, but uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, in but he's full of elves and hobbits. Yes. And yeah, it, d- it doesn't take a genius to see that that's where he got that. Yeah, he said and, he based uh, it more on the Conan series and such than he ever did Lord see, of the Rings. You know, but you can see both. You cannot. Well, deny. You know, originally they were called hobbits, not yeah. halflings. So yeah. yes. And the the relationship and description of of all the non-human races, he yanked that straight out of Tolkien. Yeah. So, right. but here's here's the interesting thing about Lord of the Rings. Prior to Lord of the first Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings movie. Uh, a that fantasy was movie. 91, 92? Yeah, I don't know. You're the like movie that. guy. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but prior fantasy movies, I think they just assumed they were going to lose money. And they weren't going to spend a lot of money on them because they That's were fair. hoping to make money, right? Um, Lord of the Rings raised the bar and basically said, I don't we're going to spend a boatload of money and we're going to make a really good movie. Yeah, I don't think there would have been a Game of Thrones if the Lord of the Rings movies had not made as much money they did and eventually raked in an Oscar. I think that 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 had to be one of the first things out of their mouth when they went to HBO to pitch that yeah. was, look, all these people saw this. It won all these awards. We can do the same thing. And, and like and take 10 years doing like it. those old movies influenced us. Right. My my son went to college freshman, just finished his freshman year. Um, he went immediately fell in with a group of gamers. Okay, immediately. He's a, he's a physics and math major, all, you know, most of those people. And within the first month, he says, oh, I need to get some, some food. We're having a Lord of the Rings movie marathon. Yes, of course. And we're going to have seven meals, seven Hobbit meals. Because nice. it's, a, it's a co-ed group. They're both men and women. And one of the women really likes to cook. Um, yeah. So she was sort of heading up. Everybody was, was chipping in with their dish and stuff. But uh, Second you know, breakfast in 11s. And, and it <laughs> just makes me think back to like when we were younger, probably younger than that, but we didn't wait till college. But even in college, we were still, you know, that's the kind of stuff we would have done. But it wouldn't have been Lord of the Rings. It would have been. Well, I can 
uh, say for myself, the animated Lord of the Rings movie, the yeah. one that stopped at the end of Two Towers, of Battle yeah. of Helm's Deep, we watched it on Laserdisc. We must have watched it <laughs> a dozen times. Don't and, knock the 12-inch Laserdisc. And I think that movie, the Lord of the Rings animated movie, had a lot of influence on me in terms of my D&D uh, atmosphere yeah. and campaigns and, and ideas. That's and stuff. definitely something I thought about, more so than the Hobbit cartoon, yes. which was, you could like claim that it was made better because at least it had an ending, but um, uh, it was definitely and, uh, in the vein of the book aimed at a younger audience, but it was well made and it gave you the flavor mm-hmm. for And if for you haven't seen Wizards, series. which was the same person, yes. it's a hilarious movie. Uh, also, uh, you know, I love, I love Wizards. I saw that in the theater yeah. as well. But it just makes me think that, you know, we, we look at things as, a, as grognards, but it hasn't ended. You know, there's a whole new generation that's coming up, and yeah. they are experiencing D&D. They're experiencing their version of movies and music, which I detest. <laughs> you detest the Lord of the Rings music? No, music. Their music. Oh, their music. Oh, I thought you, I was going to say, no, I thought no, you were no. dissing the Lord of the Rings soundtrack, no. which I oh, desperately oh, oh. So like. it's just yes. sort of this recurring cycle, it. and that makes gives me a warm, fuzzy feeling. Yes, it does, because my kids are playing it now, and, you know, they enjoy watching what my, my daughter grew up on Lord of the Rings movies. I mean, for her, it was her childhood because yeah. it was coming out like every Christmas and then yeah. all these other things. And and so for her, that's just like us. That was what is influencing her in her gaming uh, experiences and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Thanksgiving and Christmas time for the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Flip on TNT and you can watch the Lord of the Rings trilogy over and over again yeah. all weekend. And, it's, and, and we it's do. long. If you watch all three oh, yeah. and, and they watch The Hobbit. So it was like a 14 hour marathon. Well, I have the extended version Lord of the Rings and we did. Why would Lord... you watch anything else? Yes, we watched the uh, I invited some friends over from Indiana and we got together for the weekend and that's all we did. And I'll tell you what. That's almost as hard as working all day out in the yard, just sitting there <laughs> watching those movies. Well, they did the seven Hobbit meals too, so oh, that, that, yeah. it'd be even harder. Um, that would have been the fun part. Mm, yeah. So, already, uh, well, I think that's worked out pretty well. I think uh, we have thrown out a uh, a ton oh, there of are films. Probably so that, many more uh, that we're not even touching on. But, might and if people haven't seen we'll some of them, they should have wrote down those titles. And and because a lot of them you can pick up cheap on on eBay or catch on Netflix. Or uh, that uh, that five dollar bin at Walmart's a good place to. Yeah, find like movies. I said, I got the Dungeons and Dragons movie for you know from the. Yeah, if it's that first one, I may have to borrow it. I uh, I, I I still have one of your DVDs. I got to get ha- uh, Who's got that? Uh, one of the. I can't even think who. Who some of those uh, actors are in that the first Dungeons and Dragons? I, you know what? I, I think that's why. No I don't one even know if I watched the whole thing. It was just it's sort of like uh, the Star Wars with Jar Jar Binks. I pretend it never, never happened. Yeah, I I have not seen it, but I never heard anything good about it. Um, I, I did hear good things. There was the Dungeons and Dragons uh, cartoon. There was a Saturday morning. Cartoon. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's the, right. We didn't mention that. The, the first I have a two T-shirt. Yeah, the first two seasons of that are supposedly. And again, I didn't watch it. It was on when I was not watching Saturday morning cartoons. Uh, coming on the tail end of when there actually was Saturday morning cartoons. But uh, I have heard that the first two seasons of that are actually really clever and well done. Um, My big complaint is they never killed 
anybody. Yeah. Well, yeah. you can't really do that on Saturday morning cartoons. I was a bloodthirsty teenager, yeah. I guess. Yeah, you just have to stick to Johnny Quest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to see people get killed in a cartoon. Yeah, and our vice president starred in Johnny Quest, didn't he? Yes, he did. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Race Bannon is actually, you know, Mike Pence. Exactly. It's uncanny. And look, if you have it, Google Race Bannon. Put it up to picture Mike Pence. You'll see what I mean. Yes, exactly. It's eerie. Um, hey, can I plug our DMs Guild title for this? Yeah, month? I yeah. Think you should do that. Week. Um, so, like I said, we we're not really reviewing titles that are popular. We're reviewing titles we've actually used. Um, every once in a while, as a DM, I get into I want to run a horror based module. I don't or adventure. So I try to set the the tone. And who's better for horror than H.P. Lovecraft? Right. I mean, he's yeah. he's the king. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, um, big Cthulhu fan. Somebody uh, by the name of Robert Gresham, he had put up some bestiaries for Lovecraftian bestiaries, he calls them. And they're pay what you will. They're, you know, whatever you want to give them, you can give them. One and two, he has uh, two of them up there. Not a ton of monsters, but the, the main thing is the artwork is stellar. I mean, it is the same quality artwork you would see in uh, the Monster Manual. It's really good. Um, the creatures are well-balanced. In Bestiary 1, he's got a Gug, a Mego, a Night Gaunt, and a Rat Thing. Um, in Bestiary 2, he's got an Elder Thing, a Hound of Tindalus, and a Spawn of Yogg-Sothoth. Um, <laughs> and truthfully, I, I always modify stuff I find anyway, but these seem to be pretty well-balanced. Balanced. They're horror creatures, so even if they're overpowered, it's probably still not powerful enough if you've ever read H.P. Lovecraft. Um Basically, you want to run from anything you meet because yeah, it will devour yeah. you. Yeah, it's always fun. Every one of those stories starts out, I would like to relate the circumstances that caused me to be incarcerated in yeah. this facility for the mentally insane. Yeah, yeah. So um, <laughs> awesome. just an example of the great resources that are out there. Um, you know, check it out if you want to run a horror-based game. It's also fun when you can throw stuff at your players that they have not seen before. Um, and don't want to see And show again. them a picture that's... Pretty scary looking because those Lovecraft creatures, you know, a lot of tentacles involved. Right. What was it again? The Lovecraftian Bestiary 1 and 2 by Robert Gresham. Pay what you will. And it'll be in the show notes on the podcast uh, on SoundCloud. Correct. So, um, Upcoming episodes? Do we want to? Yeah, let's give them an idea of what we're looking at doing. Okay. Our ever-expanding so, um, list of subjects. I'm going to be headed up the next episode. We're going to talk about the art of the DM. Um, I'm not sure if that's going to be the actual title or not. We might come Eric's up with something more Eric's not that good clever. of an artist. He's just no, a better DM. Uh, but <laughs> basically talking about DMing, game mastering, uh, s- stuff that we found useful, not so useful, some, some more resources really focus on that. Problems at the table. I see a lot of that online. What do I do about this player? Um, we have you don't D- really have a lot of experience with problems at the table. That oh, never I happens. I'm DM Greg, so I got a lot of experience. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to, uh, Dean's going to head up a pre-gen con uh, talk, what we're all looking forward to, what we're signed up for. I'm going to come back. We're going to cover DMs Guild. We're going to talk about what you need to do if you want to publish on DMs Guild. I mean, anybody can do it. Um, I've done it. Uh, and I know a lot of people are probably curious. What's involved? What do you got to do? So we're going to talk about that. Um, then Greg is going to come back from Gen Con and Hopefully. tell us about all the dice he bought. And we're going to spend a, an hour talking about Greg's dice. I will uh, definitely post a photo. I always photograph my <laughs> dice hall from a con. We're yeah. empty as pockets. Uh, so so that's our, our plan. You know, We're still looking at two weeks between episodes. It gives us time to sort of develop the materials, things like that. So, And that's that's subject to change, but that's what we have in the, in the planning stages right now. So if you've got anything you want us to talk about or you have some comments on what we just got done talking about, Feel free to post comments there on our Facebook page 
or on SoundCloud. It's really kind of cool. You can comment right when we say it, and it shows up in the comments down below. But, Greg, let them know where they can talk to us and find us. Yeah, we would love for you to comment. Again, not just on the SoundCloud, but uh, our Facebook page is probably uh, the way we would respond the fastest. I think we're all on there uh, way too much. Uh, you can also uh, shoot us a line at Twitter if you tweet at at tgrognards.com. And on Instagram, we are the underscore grognards. And if you just want to send us an email, we are gamers at thegrognards.com. All right, and that's a wrap for the Grognards. I'm Dean Geiken. I'm Eric Holly. And I'm Greg Ziegler. <laughs>